That's right. That's right. Holy. You guys doing it right in the glory? Never been better, I heard. I heard you never. Holy Shabbat. Jesus. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> we give you all the praise, the thanks, the honor. Lord Jesus, in this place. Thank you for dwelling in our souls. Thank you for protecting our borders from invaders. Holy Spirit was highlighting to me today the Old Testament when the enemies of Israel would come to the temple in Jerusalem and steal everything. <laughs> Bible says Babylon stole all the cups from the temple, all the drinking vessels. The people of Israel could no longer drink the glory. There's some people in Christianity that don't know how to drink the river of glory. Can you believe it? They're out there. I know it's hard to fathom, but there's literally Christians that don't know how to drink the Holy Ghost. Because the enemy, Babylon, just like the Bible says, stole your cups. So, we're going to Babylon from above and not below. We're not going into captivity. We're not going under a fallen angel. We're not going by man's permission. We don't care about man-made systems or anything man's built. Bible says it's shifting sand and it's vain labor. We go in the highway of holiness and have access to everything from above. You see the messenger angels like Gabriel coming from above in all kinds of elevations and situations to meet people on earth in the Bible. I am Gabriel who stands before the presence of God and because you've believed this report, it shall happen unto you. It's the message of the gospel from the high place, lifting our souls up into higher realms of glory because of angelic ministry. The Bible says your angels are partnered with your souls. It's written in Hebrews that a believer's salvation is dependent on angelic ministry to the soul realm. Ministering spirits sent to help those inherit salvation. So the inheritance of salvation can only come through angels. Amen? You know what you get when you're born again? A new creature. What's a new creature? The word there is a living creature. The living creature, 2 Corinthians 5.17. The living creature is the angel. The Bible talks about the living creatures around the throne as angelic beings. How many of y'all know you're one of them? Amen. If you wake up to your spirit in the angelic and get the animal, the beast heart, the beast blood, the beast brain, the beast mind off of your spirit, off of your new creature, winning that Christian civil war, which is your new man in spirit, 
versus the old man in Saul, you will awaken to that dimension of the four living creatures round about his throne in the rainbow mind of Christ upon the brain, the transfigured brain in the flesh of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the living God. That is your awakening. That's what's going to happen to you. A lot of people asking for prophetic words. You just got one right there. You're going to awaken in your spirit by the burning up of your soul in the animal heart, the animal blood. I don't want to hear that. You need to hear the truth. And yeah, people don't want to hear a word for the spirit that costs soul. They want a false word to bless the soul. Itching ears. What does that mean? The soul wants to be blessed. The soul, the animal, the beast wants to live through false Christianity. You realize that's the only thing wrong with people after you're born again? Is that you have often tendencies <clears throat> to want to hear messages so-called from God that aren't for the divine godly part of you, which is the new creature. Now the new creature has to rise, 2 Peter 1.19, in the heart. You have to manifest your sonship, the Bible says. Creation longs for the revealing of God's sons, which means you're not revealed as a son when you're born again. Hasn't happened. Paul was speaking to the Roman church. They all believe in Jesus, every single one of them. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They all speak in tongues. True story. But they had not manifest sonship. That's what the Bible says, Romans chapter 8. Read it for yourself. A manifest son is a new creature that has eaten the old creature. You know what manifests against those making progress in the new creature? Old creatures. You are surrounded with enemies. What is an enemy? Old creatures. Old creatures practicing an external form of false Christianity. That's the potent sorcery of Babylon. That's what steals your drinking vessels. So, where are they in the soul realm? Who has them? Demons have them. Every single time, which means your spirit as angel or new creature, living creature, throne room creature has to partner with the Lord of angel armies and you are in his angel armies with the angelic part of you the part of you getting fathered by God and you're gonna go into the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from you which is your ability as a spirit being to drink the rivers of Eden <laughs> That is the higher realm of glory that you are going into. You're going to learn how to drink even more. I already know how to drink. Yeah, we know. Some of you know how to drink. God's proud of you. You're doing good. Some of these people that are becoming real powerful disciples are astonishing me in their ability of their new creature this season. There are people here that are excelling 
in the strength of the anointing. Amen? Amen? And if you don't think that about yourself, well, you're convicted right now by the Holy Ghost. Give up that sin in your soul. It's true. I don't know if it's me. You would know if it's you. Give up what's blocking it. Give it up, man. The demon only has access to the human soul, which is through the five physical senses, eyes, ears, nose, mouth, and touch gates, through sin. Sin is all pride of all religions, of all externalism, and all sexual immorality, which is idolatry. So that's the only access that 200 million fallen angels can have to a human soul. So if you get the sin out by the living water, they can't access you. You have zero demonic influence. You have glory influence. You go on autopilot. That's called my yoke is easy. My burden is light. What's the easy yoke? The burden is light. Shekinah glory light. The glory. What's that mean? The living water has washed the sin out of your soul. But one thing I noticed, you gotta be volunteers for every degree of living water. I don't know why, I wish he'd just force it upon everyone. It'd be easier. He's not like that. That's what the devil's like. I've never seen him bring increase except through a person's desire. <laughs> Holy. He only honors your soul and desire for him. He is a perfect lover. Jesus is a perfect lover of your soul. It's astonishing. You think he would just capture you and just take you into heaven. But perfect love honors your desires. Isn't that wild? The enemy doesn't. The enemy forces himself upon you. The enemy does all this crazy stuff. Jesus honors the soul. He honors the free will. He honors your choice. Love honors choice. If a person chooses to drink wormwood and become bitter and go into demonic metamorphosis that we see all the time, he honors the choice. He lets them choose. Love lets there be choice. You need to understand that. Hallelujah. He only accepts free will offerings. If it didn't come by the desire of your inner man, it's not even a communication with him. It's just some kind of religious deal. It's precious. His love is so precious. Thank you, Lord, for always showing us what perfect love is. Amen. And what we want to do is so demonstrate it that people would desire the Holy Spirit more. That's what you need. That's the prophetic word of God to you. Desire Him more. The Bible calls it thirsting for righteousness and being filled. Jesus taught that the filling of the salvation of the Holy Spirit that you all need more of. You need more salvation and more Holy Spirit, which requires more thirst. I pray for your thirst to be increased a thousandfold for the Holy Spirit. That's what's going to bless your life. That's what's going to raise you up into new realms. If you're satisfied on what you already have, if you're satisfied with where you're at, that's all you'll get for not just this life, but eternity. It's true. 
So that complacent satisfaction is what stops you from elevating into higher realms. It's a temptation, once you've been in the glory, to settle for that level. It takes discipleship to keep going. If you're utterly destroyed, and that's why God allows you to be not so much attacked, but not even so much tormented, but to be surrounded by enemies. They don't need to touch you, they don't need to kill, steal, and destroy you, but the awareness of that realm here on earth, which is hell, the awareness of hell is necessary to spur you on into a greater thirst to drown it. Because if you don't see a problem, you won't need a solution. If you live in complacency inside of a delusional Disneyland or white picket fence where everything's just perfect and you don't see the constant need from sinners or even those twice dead, or even those that have betrayed him, that have gone into horrible bitterness, metamorphosis of the demonic, getting transformed into the image of demons that they've agreed with against the anointing. You see that? If you don't see that stuff, don't just avoid it. There's a reason why it's happening around you. It's part of your training. It could be far from you. Why does God allow horrible, demon-possessed people to come around his anointed ones? <laughs> Happens with every person in the Bible. You know that? Read the scriptures. David was in front of Abimelech and had to pretend to be crazy. David was tortured by Saul for 20 years, guys. For 20 years. Why? Jesus was tormented by Judas Iscariot for three and a half years, his entire ministry, he was robbed by sinners. That's what the Bible says. Why does God allow us to be surrounded by sinners and servants of demons? It increases your thirst and it causes you to overcome idolatry and you get an understanding of the devil and his ways, which is important as soldiers. Every soldier has to be aware of what the devil's doing because you have an enemy. Otherwise, you're not a soldier. You're just a pacifist. But the Bible doesn't train pacifists. It trains warriors. Put on the armor of God. Pacifists don't need armor. Take up the sword that the spirit wields. Pacifists don't need swords. Right? You don't need weapons of warfare. You don't need the army of God. You know, the main prophecy of the, of the spirit of Elijah for this generation is bringing the armory. That was the number one message of Bob Jones under the Elijah mantle that Gabriel the Archangel dropped as a bullhide upon him in his youth. The very spirit of Elijah, the main number one message, guys, was the armory of God. When this crack house was given to us supernaturally through signs and wonders, he says it's Solomon's armory in the forest of Lebanon. Amen. That's what Jesus Christ said to us a hundred times and confirmed with signs, miracles, and wonders. Amen. And here we are in the armory, getting armed, improving our armor, improving our sword for combat. Not just to show off our armor, but to use it in wrestling this whole mess that's around us in the realm of the spirit that materializes itself through words on Facebook. Amen. Facebook is no joke. Words 
and the manifestation of electrical words is the equivalent of writing down legal documents in the realm of the spirit. We think, oh, it's just social media. You think wrong, man. They are legal contracts. When you type something, it's legally binding in the spirit world. You are seeing the legal contracts of the kingdom of hell through social media and the working of hell in its legal system every day since you've came into Red Letter Ministries. It's not a minor thing. It's the last thing. This is the last deal of the legality of the spirit of legalism of the Antichrist. It goes down through social media revival. So when you're dealing with this stuff, understand you're dealing in courtrooms. The courtroom is on social media. Social media is a mountain in the spirit, a mountain of government. Why do you think politicians of even natural politics spend millions of dollars for advertising on Facebook? Hundreds of millions and billions of dollars on Facebook. Hello? Because it has legal power to transform civilization. Christians are so religious, we don't even understand it. We think, oh, it's just social media. I'm, I'm going to go on a social media fast. I'm just going to refrain from any courtroom, any legal working in the actual changing of our culture and society. It's a forfeit by a spirit of cowardice. It's a spirit of cowardice, and it takes out a lot of people. Haven't you seen it? It takes them out. They make excuses. It's a religious spirit. They're like, I'm in a fast social media. I'm, I'm too involved in the courtroom of real transformation of society. And they get backed off by a demon spirit because they don't have understanding. You need to understand what the spirit of God is doing now, how he's doing it, and the tools he's using to do it. Otherwise, the demon spirit will steal your tools. It grieves me every time when people say, I'm just going to leave social media. You have given the devil your tools for a mountain of influence. You have forfeited the possibility of transforming this generation because the tool of this generation is social media and the internet. There's never been anything like it in the history of the world. Without the internet, there's no voice of the people. The people have no vo voice or vote in society. It's run by billionaires in television that force feed you what they want you to eat and become to enslave you. The internet empowered the person, the common person, to have a voice. It has transformed civilization by the Holy Ghost. Of course, the devil's used it, but Jesus has used it more. Jesus has used it more for the kingdom, the gospel, and revelation. Where would you be without the internet? You could not have ever even heard the message of the sons of God. And those trained in the most highly accurate prophetic of all time. Without the internet, you would never have had the sonship level prophetic that Bob Jones brought and his grandkids finished. Amen! Woo! 
and it's a big deal to heaven, therefore it's a big deal to us. We need to love what heaven loves. We need to get our heads out of our butts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Truly, like that's a harsh message. You know, I remember these drunken glory ministers back in 2008, and that was one of them, and there were a few of us. They would invite us to their churches, and we had many invitations, believe it or not. I said no to most of them. I went to a couple of them. <laughs> and this guy gets in. He's drunk out of his mind. He was cool to me until he disappeared off the face of the earth. Who knows where he is now? Guy from Georgia. Bless his heart. He gets this invitation as a drunken glory minister into this church. And I think he was in like Chicago or Illinois. They invited him in and he came up from Georgia, whacked out of his mind, token the ghosts. You know, this is the beginning of the drunken glory movement in 2008 and it's a fresh move of God. And there's people transitioning out of the Florida outpouring into the next thing the Spirit's doing after that, which is the drunken glory movement that prepares the marriage supper of the Lamb that we're still in right now. He gets into this place. The first thing he stands up and says, the Holy Ghost says, you all need an enema. Yeah. <laughs> you need your buttholes douched by the river because you're anal and religious, stiff-necked and dead in sin. Woo. I mean, I got hit so hard. It made me laugh. Most people, their faces, you know, you think the charismatic church would be able to handle a drunken glory prophet, they went white. They kicked him out, never invited back again. Yeah, I like that kind of ministry. You know, I like prophetic ministry at a biblical level because all the prophets do that stuff. You get caught up in the prophetic anointing, you're gonna act like that. They'll try to calm you down. They'll try to castrate you. They'll try to make you people sensitive and seeker sensitive and a people pleaser. They'll try to fit you in their little organization in their box of their, their man's regulations. River of Life don't care about anything. The River of Life is the spirit of Elijah. It's the prophetic here today. And so all the temptation that comes against you after you get born again is to imprison you inside man. To conform to some image that the animal can live. It's usually a spouse. The spouse will talk you out of Red Letter Ministries. We've seen that 10,000 times. Because their animal would die, they'd burn, they'd get tormented. They'd actually have to become a real Christian. They'd have to get sanctified. And so they pull them out and it's, I've, I've heard this a thousand times. It's either me, the spouse, or Red Letter Ministries. Wow. <laughs> you know, why is it so dire? You, you hear that about any church you ever go to? Have you ever heard a spouse say that? Not in the history of the world. You know why? Because we don't have mixture. We represent the whole river of life without being married to another, with no adultery to other spirits. I mean, it's, it's the real discipleship of the kingdom. And if a spouse or a person, a family member, it's usually a mom or a concerned mom or concerned grandma, you see it all the time, it's someone who has the devil in them, a religious, people-pleasing, antichrist spirit that will get you to forfeit the prophetic. You understand this is Jezebel? What is Jezebel war against in the Bible? Elijah. What's Elijah? Elijah represents 
the entire prophetic of all time. And prophecy won't always be, but there's 7,000 years of the river of Elijah, the prophetic river, the witness of the river of life, the witness of the spirit of prophecy, the witness of the testimony of Jesus is this river inside time and inside space for what? Tormenting everything imprisoned in time and space. You understand that's what the prophetic is. I look around from this white eagle's nest that I live in because of obedience to the Holy Ghost. I'm fortified in this place. So that stuff has no influence over me because I'm perfectly obedient to the Holy Spirit in every area of my life. And I look down from this eagle's nest on these people and they're more tortured, tormented, more mentally ill because of a lack of the prophetic than ever before. When you get exposed to the prophetic, you know, like Saul, the prophets and all that, and he just, yet the Judge Samuel, which represents the real mature prophetic. And if you disobey Samuel, the mature prophetic, what happens to Saul? He went insane, people, in the Bible. It's written for your wisdom, the Bible says. The Old Testament is written for your wisdom. Why do people go crazy? because of their decisions that they make. It's not something to have sympathy on. It's not a disease, it's sin. Amen. We don't sympathize sin. You can sympathize, sympathize with a, a medical condition, but you don't go to hell because of a medical condition. You go to hell because of sin. Yeah. It's sin that causes that mental illness. It's madness. The Bible describes madness as the sin of pride. Christians don't know this stuff. Christians go to psychology class. They think, oh man, you just don't love mentally ill people. No, I just don't love sin. And you don't understand what sin or mental illness is at a biblical level. The Bible clearly says that mental illness, look at Nebuchadnezzar. He was in his right mind. He was an idolater, a devil worshiper, but he had his right mind about him. There was it was in total insanity until he came against the mature prophetic, guys. Until he came against Daniel. Yeah. Daniel's walking in Samuel-level prophetics, discipling civilization because of his obedience to the Holy Ghost. And when the king, it didn't matter rank. It didn't matter where he was in the devil's kingdom. It just matters that he came against the mature prophetic. Look at the example from scripture of those who go against the mature prophetic. Every single one of them goes insane. That's the source of mental illness is attacking the mature prophetic. And that's what happens to everyone who attacks me. Look at them. They're more crazy than ever before. It is astonishing and it's so disconnected from where we are in the glory. In a place of blessedness that is so extreme, it's amazing. Living in golden light, living in continuous angelic encounters, in constant signs and wonders, constant increasing peace, constant increasing joy like a river. And you look down from the heavenlies like you are in the third heaven at those tortured and tormented and it's more severe judgment upon them right now than ever before. Amen. And whoo, buddy, 
And I just praying for them, having compassion over them, even from this level. It's so bizarre what happens to people that attack the mature prophetic. It's, it's strange. It's fascinating to look upon. It's a little spooky because they begin to morph into the demons they came into agreement with. They go into demonic metamorphosis. They get crazier and crazier because sin grows in the soul. Will they die? Guaranteed they'll die. It is a horrible nightmare to come against the spirit of prophecy, the river of life. You're better off never even getting involved in Christianity, especially becoming an enemy of the prophets of Christianity. Woo! You know, the ones that actually don't have it so bad are the ones just walk away quietly. But when you begin to speak against it, when you begin to attack it with all your heart, the devil just builds a kingdom inside you and uses hordes of demons. Because now these embittered Christians are the leaders of the kingdom of hell. And they're not going to heaven, guys. That activity is that you can't get into heaven doing stuff like that. They are guaranteed going to hell. Woo! There's many people that if you look upon them right now, you can tell their activity is worse than sinners. The amount and the measurement of the demonic through their souls is more than unbelievers, way more. Which means they are leaders in the kingdom of hell. Well, that's the truth anyhow. <laughs> it's true, awfully quiet in here. I hear it's a reverence for the Lord. Reverence! The fear of the Lord's beginning of wisdom. There might be wisdom in this place. It's healthy to fear the Lord. And the Bible says it's healthy to fear his kings. And what are kings? Apostles. What are lords? Prophets. King of kings, lord of lords, apostle of apostles, prophet of prophets. Truth anyhow. Get a revelation from scripture. And it's not boasting in Saul. It's boasting in the word of God, Christ, which is righteousness. Boast in God. Come on now. We need maturity in this place. There's a lot of infancy. There's a lot of envy. There's pride. We need that cut out of us to be kingdom minded, kingdom anchored. We need a kingdom perspective. It'll get lighter and lighter, easier and easier as your view of reality becomes kingdom. That's the yoke. Easy. If your vision isn't easy, if everything's difficult in your life, you're not allowing the spirit to do it. You're trying to do it. We get a prophecy, we get a word, we get a teaching, we get a revelation, and then we try to self-fulfill. We get a prophecy, we try to self-fulfill. We don't even know how to believe for the word of God and the promises of the promised land of God, which is the glory realm. We're always trying to help him. You know what that is? That's Abraham before he had Isaac. That's Ishmael activity, which is you trying to fulfill the prophecy. Abraham took Hagar, tried to fulfill the prophecy because Sarah couldn't birth a divine child, a child of the promise because her womb was dead, the Bible says. But God supernaturally, through faith, waited until his 90s, until he was done trying to fulfill his own prophecies. 
and then the spirit had legal right by the yielding to the end of his ability to fulfill the promises. All the immaturity in this place is your soul trying to fulfill the word of God. And there's a lot of it too. And that's what's getting circumcised out of us to mature in the prophetic. What is the maturity of Samuel level prophetics? God has trained me in the prophetic for 23 years in the glory. And it's wild stuff. I don't even try to explain half the stuff that happens in prophecy because you can't even comprehend it. I'll let you mature and then the spirit of prophecy can give you understanding and revelation. A lot of it you can't even explain because it's so much carnality. It's true. That's why Jesus only explained to his 12 apostles, but to everyone else, millions, he spoke in parables and riddles and dark speech, right? In the Bible, he didn't just speak the same thing to everyone. There were different levels of maturity. It takes higher levels of maturity to get higher secrets of the kingdom. And if you aren't mature, you won't get them. And because you can't understand them because only your spirit can comprehend spiritual secrets. What are spiritual secrets? Mystic mysteries, sacred secrets. They are the revelations of the third heaven. The revelation of Jesus Christ first in you and what's everything else? You know, the last book of the Bible, which I believe is the most important book, that in Enoch for this generation, that the book of Revelation is not only the revealing of Jesus inside the believer's spirit, but it's the revealing of the Antichrist within the believer's soul. It's fully both. Half the book reveals God in the spirit. The other half reveals Satan in the soul. We like the God stuff, but you need the Satan stuff too. Amen. We don't like that. That's where we do. So I turn it off now. That's all I can take for one day. (laughs) But you can't have one without the other. You have to deal with the tree of knowledge. You have to deal with the serpent in your garden. And dealing with the serpent in your garden, you get out of the blame game of blaming others and the stuff they did to you. No doubt, others sinned against you. But it's your soul. Now a priest learns how to clean their soul. The priesthood of the new covenant that all of you are in training is how to keep your heart and mind and five senses, your gates clear and clean for the river of life, the prophetic word, the living word, and the spirit of prophecy, which is the river of glory given to everyone who obeys the Holy Spirit to flow through your temples. And your bodies are the temples of the river. You're learning how to stay clean. The Bible says you're washed clean. If we have someone around us that's unclean, if we have a soulish person around us that is submitted to the world, if we have a wicked demon-possessed person that's opposed to the river, the Bible says that you wash them in the water of the Word. It takes revelations of the river for you to be clean. And what's the priesthood work? To clean others. If you study the scriptures to show yourself approved, half the Bible is about clean and unclean. We say, oh, it's just Old Testament, brother. It's just the Levites. Levites are in the New Testament, book of Revelation. Levites, tribe of Levi, in there. 
there's a new covenant Levi, which I'm just learning about. I've been in the activity in the the work of Levi, but I'm just getting the revelation of what I've been doing 15 years, the last couple years. So it's like you'll be doing this stuff for a long time and experience until wisdom explains knowledge. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, then last, knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And then the Spirit of the Lord Lordship from walking with the Holy Ghost and obeying the Holy Ghost when your brain can't comprehend any of it the whole time. Usually for decades. That's how discipleship actually works. People want some kind of knowledge for their mind. I'm not going to give you the tree of knowledge and kill you. You can go to some false Christian and get that. You can go to a false prophet, false teacher, get that. If you want something to build up your spirit and tear down your soul, you have to go to the real prophets and apostles, the kings and lords of the kingdom. Judgment upon the soul, the Bible says in Revelation, is only on account of the prophets and apostles. For your sake, I have brought her down. It is written. You know that, that scripture? That's one you want to tattoo on your heart. It says only for the prophetic and apostolic people has judgment come upon Babylon the Great. That's why they're tormented by the two witnesses, the apostle and the prophet, the kings and the lords of the king of kings and lord of lords, because they're taking down your whole false human Christian system of demons, of total madness. And it turns to gladness. If you enjoy the process, you got to fall in love with sanctification first. Most of you, for the first time, are introduced to sanctification when you come into RLM. Some of you other places, it's rare out there, though. Most people don't train baptism of the soul. They train the soul, which is all false Christianity. And that's why you basically have to restart in real Christianity when you come around the real mature prophets and apostles. Hallelujah. (laughs) And it's a good thing. Wouldn't you want to know the truth now and not go about in deception in some earthly form in the soul realm? Yes. You want to live in the inner court, outer court? You can get goosebumps out there. You can get the gifts of the Spirit out there because they flow from the holy place. God visited the earth gave gifts to men. You can cling to the gifts in the inner court, outer court. If you're content on that, you don't really love Him. So Jesus said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. You never loved me, which is knew me. The word knew me is yada, which means love me. You never loved me. Do you realize that? They loved the stuff about him because they applied it to their soul, but they never loved him. Loving him is altogether other. You're called to love him. Hallelujah. You felt that one drop like a, a bomb in here when I said that. Do I love him? Yes, you're learning how to love. You're learning how to love him. Learning how to love him costs you your soul. They love not their lives unto death. The word lives is soul. You know... All the immaturity you deal with in the animal nonsense every day is just a lack of loving him. Because you don't understand love. God is love. Oh, I understand love. No, you don't. That's an eternal unfolding. You can experience measures of it. But you can, a little bit of it, you can walk in the fiery coals right now as a living creature at your level. Once you're born again, you have keys into the Father's heart. Spirit of adoption by which we cry Abba, which means you grow up even as brand new sprites, which is just brand new spirits of light, of Shekinah glory. You can have consciousness inside the fiery stones of the Father's heart day one. Of these ones, they were born in Zion, it is written. Which means it's like a fetus in Zion. A sperma in Zion. Now, taking your soul and your awareness of your heart and your brain, your emotions and your mind and your thoughts into that dimension is going to take a lot of eating. 
prodigal sons around the father the whole time, right? But they didn't know him at all and they never went into the kingdom until they learned how to eat. The prophetic word of God to you is learn how to eat in heaven's diner. The bride needs to learn how to feast the marriage supper of the lamb. Feasting for a spirit which brings the soul down to share in a greater understanding from what your spirit's doing in the heavenlies. Your spirit seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Now we're going to get your soul seated with Christ in the heavenly places. The soul is absolutely not seated with Christ in the heavenly places. The soul is on earth aware of the natural things. The sanctification to get the soul where the spirit is, woo! Few have ever paid that price. Few. But we want a whole generation to understand that and consider that price and then pay it. The price is your whole soul. And not clinging to any part of it. They overcame the devil by not loving their souls unto death. The death is crucified with Christ. They've climbed Mount Zion, which is Calvary, carrying their crosses unto complete annihilation. You'll never know the greater glory or the more accurate prophetics or the mind of Christ and the rainbow round about him become your rainbow mind until there's a greater annihilation of the soul. The senses get burnt up. The senses become blood, fire, and billows of smoke. You know, that's what sanctification is of the prophet Joel. Joel said of Joel's army, blood, fire, billows of smoke. What is that? Blood, fire, smoke, the burning of the animal, which is called new covenant sanctification, Yahweh Mekadeshim. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. He is taking your heart and brain and burning it up, and there's smoke coming off of it. It's black smoke, which means getting a little more undignified over there. We only follow the white cloud. The white cloud's underneath the black smoke of the burning of the animal sacrifice, which is your human heart. Blood. And then fire. And you put blood and fire, what comes out of it? Billows of smoke. There we go. Holly, don't let that black smoke stain your brain. You go insane. <laughs> That's like a black cloud of the burning of sin away. The Bible says, bind the tares in bundles to be burned. He's doing that in your soul. The angels are doing that in souls. It's not done externally. Binding the tares together. Scripture says, Jesus Christ teaching now sanctification, Yahweh Mekadeshim. I bind the tares in bundles to be burned. What are tares? The soulishness of the world's Christianity the soulishness of connectivity to natural things, all of that tears. Tears are connections to the world. You know, you have to let the angels, but you could say no to the angels. Remember the ones in the Bible that said no to the angels? I went blind. Bring me a writing tablet. His name is John. Oh, God. If you want to go blind, say no to the angels. <laughs> going blind aren't they there's a lot of people going blind out there because they're saying no to their guardian angels the guardian angels trying to help you you got guardian demons too it's not just guardian angels there's guardian demons around the familiar spirits of your bloodlines and they're the ones trying to tell you those angels sent to help you inherit salvation are angels of light to deceive the demons will always try to tell you the holy spirit and jesus and his kingdom is satan I, that's their main strategy and it works because we're so ignorant 
until you get around actual maturity, actual riveranity, we usually listen to the demons. We usually get deceived quite easily. Ignorant. The Bible says infants in Christ are tossed to and fro by every wind of teaching. By the teachings of demons, I know they accuse that of, but we're not in the winds of teachings. We're in the liquid substance of the river of life. Huge difference. And we've been fortified in the river for decades. We live in the river. I don't come out of the river. I'm always in the river, and I'm always in awe of the river. Every day, I'm astonished by this river. What the river's doing, the river is intimacy and loving Jesus in this world. If you love Jesus, you love the river. If you don't love the river, don't tell me you love Jesus. You love the satanic form of Jesus. They love the devil. A lot of Christians love Satan. They'll never admit it. But when they weep and gnash their teeth when they get around Christians that actually love the real Jesus, the river of life, Revelation 22 verse 1, it's revealed in them. And you people need to be aware of that in your friends and family around you. With revelation, you can make the distance. It's not about just offending them. It's about a wisdom of where they're at and what they can receive. You need wisdom, all things, to all people in hopes of saving some. Which means some can't be saved because they love the devil. They love their sin. Don't waste time on people that love sin. Waste time on people that want to be saved. Get those dead things out of us and out of your lives and get around people that are desiring to go deeper in God. You got to get the losers out of you that never bear fruit. The Bible says, cast the wicked out from amongst you and have nothing to do with being unequally yoked to unbelievers. There's a lot of unbelieving believers out there. There's a lot of believers who drink the cup of wormwood. Bible forbids fellowship with them and you people waste your time trying to minister and save them. It's totally demonic. The Bible forbids that activity. When they repent, the cup of the Lord be brought to them by their own guardian angels when they stop serving their guardian demons. Demons will guard the old man. They're guardian demons of the old Adamic man of the curse of the fall. But you have guardian angels now of the new creature in Christ. But you choose every day whom you're going to serve. And if you get consistent in spirit, the angels, there won't even be demons anymore. That's when your sanctification starts to get real and your mind's like, Woo, I'm glad I chose that cup. Now I'm living in the glory. Now I'm blessed. Now there's peace in my house joy in my countenance. I'm walking on clouds. My relationships are blessed. My business is blessed. Every area of your life gets blessed as you say yes to the Holy Spirit in spirit and no to demons in soul. It's called stop eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Stop eating from the tree of death and eat from the tree of life. It's fun. You need training how to do it because it's done by the invisible part of you. Your spirit and soul have to learn how to do that through revelation. You can't just do it by barbaric Neanderthal brains 
like a parrot memorizing a verse in your brain and trying to access these things through brain. You do this in spirit and your spirit will get stronger and renew your mind. Sometimes it takes years. I think there was a decade of just constantly being drunk, living in a, a black cloud of the burning of my heart and blood, fire, and billows of smoke of Joel's army until I really understood what the sanctifying process was doing in my life. I had a decade of a total blackout. It's true. From 2008, when I got baptized in the drunken glory, to 2018, it was black smoke. I mean, I think I sat in this room 22 hours a day or something in just black smoke. Just right here, I had my computer right here. And it, it was wonderful. Honestly, I enjoyed all of it. And it was just the nudging of the spirit in me that would carry me into new places. I understand the way of the Lord. There's only one. There's only one path from Egypt to Zion, if you read the Bible. There ain't two. One. It's Jesus. Jesus is the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The path of the Lord is the river of the Lord. His Spirit is here, illuminating the path, and the, the Word of God, when it's mixed with the Holy Spirit, which means a word in season, a rhema word, will illuminate the river path. The way of the Lord's a river. The way of the Lord is by drinking His cup. And what happens? Other cups come in, the cups of demons, to try to get you out of the cup of the Lord. This is the main way how you'll know if you're drinking the cups of evil spirits and no longer drinking the one cup of the Holy Spirit. What is it? <laughs> Humility and pride. Woo! Humility and pride. Number one thing. If it's pride, you're drinking demons. <laughs> I didn't know how to drink. Now you know how to drink. Now the cups of demons will be offered to you, which is a higher level of the occult that you couldn't even receive before because you didn't have that kind of supernatural faith. Doesn't mean you can, your, everything in your life goes right. Now means the temptation gets higher because you're more spiritual. There's a height of spirituality where the, the temptations of the fallen archangels called principalities tempt you. Why? Because your spirit's that high in the second heavens, taking back what he stole from you. They will rule and reign with me from the angelic sphere. The Bible says that in Revelation 5.10, for a thousand years. That's the second heavens, guys. Which means you'll have to be offered the same temptations of the seven principalities of Satan. Like Jesus did in the Bible. Tempted by Lucifer in the Bible. Satan, whatever you want to call him. Whatever your level of revelation and understanding is today. And he said no to all the junk that caused the angels to fall. He's serving the Father. It wasn't really hard for him either. The devil is pretty dark when you're walking in a lot of light. But if your soul is dark, it, it, it becomes confusing. But it gets easier and easier as you love Jesus in your spirit more. See, love is the light. God's glory is the liquid love, the river of love. It's confusing because the whole perversion of the fall is a confusing and a, con a confusion of love. But when you understand Jesus is love, not the niceness love, not the soulish love, not just the agreement on doctrine, not the allowing of the animal to live, which is the greatest deception of love of all time is the rejection of sanctification, spare the rod, spoil the child, which is getting cursed and going to hell after believing in Jesus. 
Terzinia. Spoiled means utterly ruined for no good or purpose for anything, which means the person's not even saved. But they believed in Jesus. They spoiled the child. Utterly worthless and good for nothing is what spoiled means. So we really need to embrace sanctification around here, amen? Come, and, come with a lot of punishment. Listen, these are judgments. The Word of God is judge. These, this is the fastest way to grow if you can receive judgment. Now, you can say no and go around the mountain. You can go and find places that are easier on the animal. Won't do much for you. They'll let the animal live. They won't love you. It'll be easier for the soul. It'll be easier for the animal, but you will have no eternal rewards. There'll be nothing of eternal value in your life. Your whole life will be a lie. And when you die from that level, you will go through weeping and gnashing of teeth and you will suffer a complete loss and you'll have no rewards in heaven. But you'll still get into heaven by grace. That's the acceptable. It's trash. It's Gehenna. We want, you know, the good. We got a lot of good around. We want the perfect. Amen? And the perfect to become normal. The perfection dimension is not normal in Christianity right now. It seems extreme. They call it fringe. You know, I think it's pretty strange that the demonic is so involved in Christianity. It's not fringe. It's like normal loyalty to light that expo exposes normal betrayal of souls into darkness. I like this verse. The hearts of all men shall be laid bare by your light when you're walking right. You know, the people around you in, with world in their soul, they can't discern or judge. So, you know, some of these people came to Jesus secretly at night. He didn't even use it against them. Nicodemus. Nicodemus was the one that got him the royal tomb and the royal embalming. Dropped like a million dollars on him. Nicodemus was for real and he was considered an elder in the church of Jerusalem. So there's hope for Pharisees yet. Amen. It's no joke. But this, this whole dimension of going secretly to Jesus at night, there's a wisdom there. You know, we call him a coward, and I'm sure there's aspects of that, but there's a wisdom to it as well. There's, there's Just like David going through the aqueduct on the inside, he didn't shout at the gate so that a whole bunch of arrows come and kill all his guys. He did it secretly. There's a lot of sneaky stuff going on by the Holy Ghost in the Bible. You know, Jacob means usurper. He was sly. Look at how he stole. He didn't steal, but he, he took his brother's inheritance. But it was credited to him as righteousness, acting like a sneaky guy. There's sneaky glory. Creeping while you're sleeping, Jehovah Ninja. Amen. What does the Bible say? He comes like a thief in the night. He comes like a sneaky guy. <laughs> he comes creeping and crawling like the shinobi. He comes as a ninja. Amen. I like Jehovah Ninja. I like that, that, that secret stuff in the glory, in the secret place. Like Gandalf. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. And that's what Jesus did with the sacred secrets, mystic mysteries. He hid him in his heart and shared it with those that were being trained in his heart. Amen. 
And so the whole nature of Christ is getting developed in you to act exactly like Jesus. That's what 1 John says, that those who are walking in right standing with God will walk and live exactly like Jesus did. And Jesus, whoo, study him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because that's what you're going to start to look like. And he had a lot of enemies and a lot of misunderstanding. Oh, I see the Lord bringing us over to Matthew 5. This is fun. Glory. I'll go in the Amplified Classic. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed, happy, to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life joy and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation regardless of their outward conditions are the poor in spirit, the humble, who rate themselves insignificant. To rate your soul insignificant. You can't grow in the glory unless you rate your soul insignificant. If you rate Christ in your spirit insignificant, that's demonic influence. <laughs> Don't do that. For theirs, the ones who rate their souls insignificant, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed and enviably happy with a happiness produced by the experience of God's favor and especially conditioned by the revelation of His matchless grace are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. <laughs> Blessed, happy, blithesome, joyous, spiritually prosperous, with life joy and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation. That's a lot of glory right there. Regardless of their outward condition. You think he's empowering their spirit to overcome everything? That's exactly what the gospel does. You need the gospel in your spirit and get out of your soul. The gospel is salvation to your spirit to conquer your soul. Regardless of outward conditions, which means nothing on the outside matters at all. That's what the Bible says. Zero percent of anything on the outside matters. There's the gospel. It's Jesus. Sermon on the Mount doesn't get more biblical than that. Zero percent of outward conditions even matter because of the internal life joy. The blessed are the meek, the mild, the patient, the long-suffering, for they shall inherit the earth. So, Interesting here, as I say that, because your outer man suffers from the earthly and those that reject that inward blessing of life joy, regardless of outward circumstances, they allow that prosperity of the favor of God into their spirit and the conquering and transforming of their soul so that their inner man is as whole as the angel of the Lord. See, and then, because you have done that with a body on earth, you inherit the earth. But it takes that meekness, that patience, and that long-suffering. What's the long-suffering? Dealing with everything external, usually friends and family, 
usually wickedness in businesses and marketplace selfishness, lawyers and the abusers of the law, the legalists that attack Paul constantly, the lawyers that came to Jerusalem to charge him on charges, to kill him at trials before kings. Talk about long-suffering. Look at what the devils used to fight people whose inner man was sanctified. Just study the scriptures and understand that's what's going to come upon you. Count the cost before going to war. But the, you have the anointing, you will win the war. But you can't stop halfway through. Oh, buddy, you got to keep going. You got to keep waging the good Christian warfare. Bible calls it the good Christian warfare which is holding on to that internal favor. What's the favor that God's given you? His spirit on the inside. That's the only way you'll make it to the other side. I told you my experience. I had 10 years I couldn't see the other side. And after 10 years of just holding on to this internal life joy, it might not take you 10 years, but it took me 10 years. That's my experience in Christ. And then the other side opened up. The black smoke lifted and it's just glory cloud. And it's been significant increase and awesome acceleration of external things because of the internal things getting blood, fire, and billows of smoke since 2018. The acceleration of the promises have been mind-blowing to me. Also, external opposition of those unsanctified. But if, if you don't even feel it because you're so sanctified. There's so much glory in the soul. It becomes Jesus on the cross or on the throne. It's so easy to forgive you. You might know what you're doing, but I, I still just wash you. None of it can affect a transfigured soul. You know, sanctification is transfiguration. That's what it's sanctification is. It's the transfiguration of your soul. So clearly, if you reject the transfiguration of your soul, there's only darkness that can fill the vacuum in the soul. That's why they go crazy. Mm -hmm. Now that we understand that, we'll all embrace the blood, fire, and billows of smoke. You look at the consequences of the examples around Red Letter Ministries, it should put the fear of God in you. How crazy it gets when you say no to sanctification. These people are the greatest examples of all time of those who have rejected God in their lives. You don't see this anywhere, but you see it here because we're called to be sanctifiers. The apostolic is a reference to also the high priesthood, which is Yahweh Mekadeshim, the Lord your sanctifier. That is the number one function of the apostolic is to demonstrate the high priesthood in the sanctification. The nature of Yahweh Mekadeshim, the Lord your sanctifier, is the role and office of the apostolic. And that's why it's so opposed, because people don't want to change. They love their souls. They love their lives. So the apostles, the prophets, are living in Jerusalem just fine. The prophets are living in their houses. You read about it in the book of Acts. It's the apostles that are stoned, beaten, shipwrecked, arrested, imprisoned. You don't even see it upon the prophets because it's a totally different level of sanctifying the soulish realm of the kingdom of hell out of all souls. That's why the persecution in Acts is almost exclusively for the apostolic. And that's why you only see it in America against the true apostolic. And you don't see it hardly in any other ministry on this planet. Truth anyhow. The prophetic 
It doesn't even deal with it. Very little. It's because of forcing a change, of raising a standard. Noah was apostolic. Apostolic means to change the earth. So he really changed the earth by bringing a flood. He raised a standard of sanctification in his own soul and condemned those that rejected changing their souls. You understand? That's how judgment comes. These are like the days of Noah, of those that change their souls, <laughs> sanctify their souls, transfigure their souls, and condemn everyone who doesn't to the lake of fire. Wow. <laughs> That's exactly how it's going down. Not my opinion. Jesus said it in the Bible. My second coming will be as the days of Noah. Days of Noah. A remnant. It's small. But they're going to raise the standard, but many animals will come into the remnant. There is a family of eight, which represents those that are fully matured in the angelic. That they're, they're aware, their consciousness and intelligence is angel. Okay, that represents the eight of Noah. But the animals are those that have said yes to the sanctification process, that have been drawn, drawn into Yahweh Mekadeshim that have been drawn into the high priesthood that are willing to change. You can't walk with Jesus unless you're willing to change. And your walk will be as close as your willingness to change and how fast you want to change and how much you want to change of your culture, your identity. Everything about you will change. That's what metamorphosis is. It means changing. The word for change in the New Testament is metamorphosis, which means without it, there's no more divinity. You're stuck at that level. So the people that had horrible lives like me are very open to radical change because it was so bad beforehand. It was so bad with Saul, so bad with many of you and many others. That's why we're so open to changing. Other people haven't had it that bad. So they don't want to change because they got it pretty good. They're not thirsty. Amen. They don't hunger for righteousness because they're satisfied on their own souls. Don't even waste your time with them because as you raise a standard in your desire to change, you'll burn up the sins around you. They've tormented you only so long. But now you begin to torment them. And it won't hurt you. Because... Christ can't be killed a second time. The spirit can't be hurt. You can hurt the spirit's feelings, but I mean, it's hurting an all-powerful God because he's, he's really wonderful. He's very sensitive. He's perfect love. So, and his love is so extravagant towards us that we do hurt his feelings and you have to go apologize to the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry that I was so rash. I was so, you know, carnal. And I just said those things. I did those things. I, I don't know you that well, Holy Spirit. Understand all the training is to get more tender and sensitive to the Spirit. Growing in the presence of God, growing in the glory from glory to glory is presence to presence, which means now the sensitivity to His presence is heightened. This new 
level is a greater sensitivity to the presence of his glory cloud. Where it's like, you don't want to do anything to have this lift off of you. I wouldn't do anything. And if you do, because your temptations and your sin in your DNA happens, you come back weeping. With There's a sincere repentance. And it's like, oh, I'll have to get back into your presence. Give me some living water. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm learning from what the animal is. And you just, there's a, a softening of the heart and the mind has to be softened as well. It's not just hardness of heart. There's hardness of mind. The Bible speaks of the hardness of mind and heart both. It's both have to be softened progressively in loving the presence of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of wild stuff comes out of the Holy Spirit. Depending on how much you love Him, that's how wild He'll get through you. He wants to demonstrate that love life to the people totally deceived that don't walk in a lot of glory. Make them jealous. I magnify my ministry to draw the Jews to jealousy. It is written. Which means I'm going to get really whacked in the glory. I'm going to get so totally satisfied and drunk on love, drunk on joy, drunk on favor, drunk on prosperity. Drunkenness represents the abundance of God's spirituality in the soul. That you've drunk yourself drunk on these certain character qualities of God in the soul to the point that your body is overflowing on these spiritual substances. That's why the Bible commands be drunk on love because in love is all the fruits of the Spirit, all the gifts of the Spirit, and all the kingdom of heaven. Which means that that realm of God is overflowing in every area of your life. A drunk person is fully satisfied until they're just passed out. That was good. You drink yourself into a blackout and then the blood, fire, and of smoke ain't so bad. Oh man, the wine is so incredible through sanctification. You'll do it a million times. The, the what you need from the angels to, to sanctify the soul and change DNA and change repetitive sin patterns and get culture and get nation out of you and get the world and sin out of you and get things in you you don't even know exist. Stuff that's just DNA. Most of it you can't even see, but the angels can. That's why they help you inherit salvation because you can't even see it. The Bible says nobody can see their own heart. Which means you have to trust your angels into realms you can't even see about your own soul. You'll get, you have to do that for years. And you'll notice the increase of the fruitfulness by yielding and trusting in faith to the works of your angels and your Lord, the Holy Ghost. It will increase through the soul. Be like, let's, let's get some more of that in here. I like sanctification. You know, a priest who's matured loves sanctification. I don't... I don't despise it. I don't. I love it. I love Yahweh Mekadeshim. I love the Lord our Sanctifier. I love the nature of changing. I love the change. I love the metamorphosis. It's only painful to pride and lust. It's only painful to sin in us. And you will experience some of that pain. Everyone does. But it doesn't always remain pain. It turns into pleasure. The fire in there is pure ecstasy. That's what angelic ecstasy is. That you've loved him and changed, and now God is a fire of ecstasy inside the soul. And you can walk in ecstasy all the days of your life on earth. If you change. If you don't, you don't get any of it. You're just there stuck in self because you reject the Holy Spirit from changing you. The Holy Spirit will be right there when you're ready. I stand at the door and knock, which means the Spirit 
that changes you, the Lord our changer, is there in the spirit when you repent and return to him with your whole heart. Are you ready to change now? And you change in increments. He said, oh yeah, all of it. And he's like, you're a liar. You're a total liar. Bold-faced liars, all of us. We have this zeal without knowledge because of a lack of experience. You're going to bring parts. Because there's parts of you you're not even aware of that the angels will touch, that the spirit will touch. It's so ancient, it's so deep, what's in human DNA, you can't even comprehend it. Angels can, they've been trained for millions of years of how to comprehend it. That's their job. And they like their job, because that's what's anointed in their spirit as angels. It's fun for them to do their angelic job. We get into the good works prepared for us, we get into our anointed angelic jobs. We're no longer working as slaves, we're working as sons. Sonship work is thrilling. Sonship work is finding your destiny as a new creature and going gung-ho. Just diving in. Giving him the reins. I don't trust. I don't I don't understand it. I'm very carnal and soulish. If you can come to a place where you're honest with where you're at, then you can stay humble and teachable, which means able to change. And the main thing I've noticed that changes is the ministry of the fivefold. That's what changes you. It's not always some external major signs and wonders. No, that's not biblical. That doesn't happen with most people in Scripture. It won't happen with most of you. What will happen with most of you, the same way it happened in the Bible, in the precedent of Jesus already written, is that the fivefold will change you. That's how it works. That's their job. They're doing their job in their spirit sent from God in the river. And we're going to mature the fivefold. The fivefold is pretty immature. It'll come into a much greater maturity in the next 10, 20 years. Much greater maturity. You're going to see all the maturity of the fivefold in the river called smooth stones. Not the jagged rocks that we have now. And that's probably me too right now. We're pretty... We're pretty jagged and rough, but we're in the river and we're, we're making progress. We're, the stone is smoothing. It's smoothing out so it's easier to receive into the forehead. Amen. And people will receive it in the forehead because everything else is a lie and death anyhow. It's not supposed to be impossible just to hear high prophetic teaching and preaching. It, it should be smooth and easy and light and available for everyone to receive because it's for the salvation of the whole world it is written. The reason why it's so difficult now is because how fallen we are in Babylon the Great. How much sorcery and witchcraft fills the human mind now is why it's just so difficult. It won't always be that way. The path of the Lord is going to become cream and butter. And it's going to widen. It's not going to be just so strict and serious and narrow. One mistake and I fall off Mount Everest and die. It's going to be this whole cream and butter like elevator that can fit a billion people into it. A whole cylinder of light, of Shekinah glory, where you can just come in and just and easily receive the truth to build up your spirit and tear down the soul and tear down the curses and the strongholds of culture and nations and DNA. And that'll come down easier and easier as we mature in the fivefold. And I know the majority of people that have come into this pioneering ministry is because of the training in the fivefold. It's the harvest of leaders and the harvest of harvesters first before the harvest of the nations. 
You're the leaders and the harvesters at the time of training for the great harvest that comes after you. But you have to train the harvesters in the fivefold, in the, in the fullness of the ability of the river of life through the changing of your souls before you can even pastor cities and nations, which is normal Christianity. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So you, you find that the old buildings made by human hands opposes this, this original expression. It's not a new expression. It's the original expression of John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. It's how we get into the prophetic, how we get into the living word and follow the Father with the angels. Jesus talked about the angels all the time. You'll see the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And angels came and comforted him. His angelic ministry was with thousands and thousands of angels. The interesting thing, that when Jesus is before Pontius Pilate, he says, I could ask my father for legions of angels and they'd come right away. Notice that the angels had left. And so that's how the sinners held on to him. That's how they pulled his beard, spit on his face, and punched him and all that. You, that couldn't have happened with angels around. The angels had to leave, and he said, I have to ask my father for angels because they're not here right now. So you understand the angelic realm is like the palm trees. He's riding in Hosanna in the highest. That's when there's hundreds of thousands of angels on you. Every person's like, oh my God, it's Jesus, yes. Angels left, they're pulling his beard out the next day in the Bible. That's how important angels are. They shift the whole atmosphere. They're the ones that give you favor with people. Small angels, small favor, small realm of favor. You need angels. Amen. And that's how it works. So, what did Jesus do? He said you could pray and ask your Father for angels. That's what some of you need to do. That will completely shift the atmosphere in your rooms, in your house, the demons that have been bothering you, the problems with family members, they'll all end. The more angelic you have around you, the more heaven on earth. Simple as that. And it is in measurements. Some people just have two angels and they just live okay. Some people have like 200,000 angels and and they live better they live better than Solomon. Solomon wished he had electricity so he could listen to my hi-fi system. He couldn't even imagine. Cheers. And he's not jealous because he gets rewards in this generation. It is awesome to embrace all that heaven is doing in our lives. That's really what it boils down to. But you will have a lot of haters because they've rejected God's will for their life. May God grant them repentance. Instead of them just staying nasty, that's got to be painful to be nasty all the time. You think? It looks painful just to be a nasty person all the time. Attacking people advancing God's kingdom, you know? You'd think people would get a life. You know, in order to do that activity, let me explain betrayal to you a little bit, because you see it a lot when you're around the apostolic. You have to obey a demon, and the reason why it gets so bad, in order to attack that high-level prophetic and apostolic, it takes demons. So that person came into a covenant with a demon, that's why it's not easily broken. There's a covenant there. That's why they often get worse and worse and worse. In order to break the covenant with the demon, they have to go back to the original sin and bring sacrifice. And that people are usually too proud or too lost or disconnected from what caused them to fall so far away by serving that demon that they can't make it back. And so 
That's how you pray for your enemies. That they would make it back to the sin that caused them to go so far away from the spirit and from the river. To confuse their mind that badly to not find their way back. Which is finding your way back is what repentance means. Find your way back to the Father. And get how those demons get out of you. And the demonic will and the working of of Satan's throne through people that have attacked and become enemies of the anointing. So it's a covenant and it's a relationship with serving a demon spirit. Just so you understand, that's what goes on. That's why five years later we're seeing people and they've actually grown in bitterness. And you have to ask yourself, don't they have a life out there? The reason why they don't and why they're still around is because the covenant with the demon that got them there was sinning against the anointing. That's why even two, four, five, ten years later, they're still out there sinning because that's their contract with the kingdom of hell. And so they're still holding that contract in their hearts and minds and obeying the covenant they made with the spirit in order to attack the anointing. Just so you understand, that's why they're even around. You think they'd go out there and just get a life and do something else. You can't when you when you sin that way. When you sin against the anointing, it's a contract with a demon to become an enemy of the anointing, just like Saul. You think Saul would leave David alone? Not possible. Because of the contract he made with the devil, that's all that remained left in the soul scroll of his behavior on earth. He couldn't just go on to retirement and do something else. You think that would make sense? There's no sense in betraying the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a contract of all your future plans and will will be to now be the enemy of the thing that you attacked in the beginning. And so that explains why you see those repetitive things two, four, five, ten years later, and it's just it's still working in them. Because it's a contract. And so we pray that the contracts could be burned, but they have to go back and get forgiveness from the original thing that built the contract with the demon. And most of them aren't even aware that it's a contract with the demon because their minds are so confused by now. So it's, it's a severe thing. There's consequences like Nebuchadnezzar crawling on his belly and eating grass for seven years. A lot of people will go into a madness and have to taste the consequences of fighting the anointing in order to learn what's in them is Satan and a covenant. And some believers go through that. That's why Satan puts them in prison 10 days, endure to the end, and I'll give you the crown of life, which is a repentance after you've already worked with the devil. And a prison of the devil means there's sin that belongs to the devil, that you are under the devil for that time. And Jesus said that in the New Testament book of Revelation, that a lot of people are going to have to learn that way. It's a school of hard knocks. It's ugly. But there's no other way. And so wisdom and love will teach you the kingdom and revelation by any means necessary and doesn't even have to be pretty. It's usually quite ugly because of what the fallen nature is. The fallen nature is so ugly, it takes ugly means to even reach people because they're so far gone. In the curse and in sin and confusion, in the animal nature, in the beast, the false prophetic and the red dragon's pride. So all of that, God in his infinite humility can reach people at any state, in any condition. Even the serial killer Saul. So it's about the humility of the lamb and then being formed in that nature to also remain in love with everyone at every degree. 
Like, it doesn't matter what nasty thing they're saying about me and RLM out there. There's still love pouring out of me from God supernaturally upon every one of their heads sincerely. Amen. You have to stay an open river. doesn't matter how they treat you. It matters how you treat Jesus in you. Amen. That's what keeps the river flowing. Unconditional love. Real agape, which is the real river of life with all of Zion in the inside. You can look on the inside to see, see the Father smiling in there. That's what you want. That's the fruit of love is knowing the Father. If you get consistent in divine love, in spirit, and in soul, and in mind, and indeed, you begin to progressively know the Father as a person in you. Holy Ghost told me that the apostolic is the full spirituality of God the Father. Not that we're there, but we're growing there. And in the future, there will be 12 there. There's 12 apostles in the New Jerusalem, it is written. There will be a government of the mature apostolic, and I believe it'll be a lot more than 12, but it'll be 12 chief apostles, 12 main apostles, just like there was in Jesus' first coming. There will also, on earth, in his second coming, in the lineage of these 12 men. And it's a maturity that God is presenting before us through the sanctification, but also the maturity is in our decision-making and the softening of our heart towards the Father's ways in the midst of ministry, controversial ministry, and all of the stuff in the heat of battle and the heat of war. David represents the apostolic. Half of his training was during the battlefield and the decisions he made in wartime, in the heat of the battle. Do I throw the spear back at Saul? Do I kill Saul? I could kill him. He sneaks up on him. He has mercy even on those that have damned him and cursed him. Mercy triumphing over judgment, King David learned, which is a greater nature. That's the apostolic. It's the carrying of the Father's heart even towards those who hate him. Doesn't apply to demons though, but it applies to human souls. Because while there's still breath in the human soul, you can reach them. You can grow to a measure that gives them a chance. You can release as much living water as Jesus does. That is the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. That we love in the same release of living waters that He loves us. While we were yet sinners, Christ loved us. Was I mean that His water was raining on us while we were unjust, while we practiced unrighteousness, which is demonic activity done in the flesh, while we lived as mere animals. Christ loved us, which means his rain came upon us. One day we drank his living water and agreed to change and make him our God. Now we're the rain of the just. Now we're allowing the living water to be formed in us to become vessels of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters of whom he's not ashamed of, which means this whole living water, unconditional agape love nature is formed in us and outpouring upon everyone. And the truth that outpours in the living water will also be how to reach religious people, which seems to be the most offensive thing you deal with in ministry. Because you're dealing with the fallen angel pride on a level that's ingrained in human DNA, that's usually where the offense comes, is in the discipleship of the agape love of Christ towards our pride. But if you can get that down and understand, that's where the majority of training will come, of living water eating away our pride, 
until the pride's just living water. That's the transformation of our soul. Where there was one human pride, national pride, pride of possessions, pride of life, pride of anything of the natural realm, now there's living water, which is God the Father proud of you because you've totally transformed into a living water new creature and the old creature of pride is dissolved in you by the washing of the water of the word. Amen? Amen. So the majority of your next 10 years, forgiven of your pride. That's what's going to happen. People ask for a prophetic word. There it is. It's exactly what God's going to do the next decade. He's going to majorly reduce our soulish pride, our religious pride, and majorly increase the Lamb's humility, which is a major increase of living waters like the days of Noah. Living water is humility. Pride is saying, I don't need it. I'm doing pretty good. Hallelujah. <laughs> I know the Holy Ghost is doing pretty good. That's why I'm smiling right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So we're having fun in the sun, getting undone from religion. Fun in the glory. You know, fun in the priesthood and fun in sanctification. There's fun in the blood, fire, bills, smoke. I had fun for a decade, totally blacked out in the smoke of my burning heart. I enjoyed it. was anything you do with God is fun. God is fun. Sorrow may last for the night. Joy comes in the morning. Why? Because it's fun to be with God. What's the sorrow? Tasting your own sin. Tasting the death and hell and the fallen angels you've served in ignorance. Sorrow. They cry. I'm going to wipe every tear from their eye so they can be fried. Unjoy. Amen. The good shepherd shall lead them to the springs of the waters of life and wipe away all things that are not fun with God. Which is all that religious stuff. And, you know, there's you'd still deal with the immaturity of like, well, I'm not having fun during sanctification. I know, it's because you're full of pride. So the thing is, is as you mature, you learn to have more holy fun. Not just the enjoyment of the soul. No, that part's going to die. That's why you're not having fun and why so few watch Joel's Bar. Because sanctification's not fun for them because they love their souls and they don't want to lose their souls and they've rejected being sanctified. It's not fun. Maturity and growing in love for Jesus is actually coming to a place where you enjoy sanctification. You can't even have fun with God until you love Him as your sanctifier and enjoy Him as your sanctifier. There's an enjoyment there of Him purifying you from all unrighteousness when you confess your sins one to another, it is written. Then Christ will purify you from unrighteousness. Purifying can be fun. Being clay in the potter's hands and changing can be fun. Becoming a disciple is allowing these severe things of the change of the soul to be made fun. The ones that aren't having fun changing are not disciples yet. They're not. It's painful, it's hard, they'll cry, they'll resist, temper tantrums, they'll come at you with a butcher knife. They do all kinds of wild, crazy activity. They protest. You know, it's the soul, it's the animal hating change. Spider legs, they got an amen out of spider there. They like barked. Ah, 
That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Spider loves Yahweh Mechadeshim. Just say Mechadeshim. Isn't that a fun? That's one of the funnest Hebrew words. Mechadeshim. The Lord our sanctifier. Yahweh Mechadeshim. To love sanctification. To love the priesthood. To love the apostolic, which is what brings change. Apostolic is the change and the metamorphosis and the, the sanctifier of the soul. It's what matures in the Father's spirituality, our souls, into a greater spirituality through death and sanctification, through blood, fire, and billows of smoke. Amen. Amen. So, in order to love the Father, you have to love the sanctifier. Nobody loves the Father unless they love sanctification. They have an idea about it here, but they don't really do. It's just all soulless religion. It's totally fake. Fake everywhere. But really liking Him, enjoying Him, is loving the blood and the fire and the bills of smoke. You come to a place where that's fun, you can't be stopped by anything. Because you've embraced complete change. You've embraced the cocoon, the metamorphosis. You've said yes to the process and you're beginning to enjoy the process of the Holy Spirit and the angels changing you. We need to bring everyone in Red Letter Ministries into an enjoyment of Christian metamorphosis. Instead of the opposition towards it, the enjoyment of it, which is the enjoyment of the New Covenant tribe of Levi and the priesthood. The enjoyment of the apostolic and the enjoyment of the intensity of the light of God the Father. Not just the figment in our imagination about Father God and just Abba Father in the brain, but the enjoyment of the intensity of His light in the heart that burns up the soul and the flesh and sin and attacks crooked, wormy DNA. And it attacks the curse violently. Our God, our Father, is an all-consuming, jealous fire. The word fire there is also Shekinah glory. A jealous glory, a jealous light. Which means there's a viciousness towards the whole thing, the encasing of the Spirit to be made perfect for you as His child. The things He wants to do is perfect the realm around your spirit to live the same quality of life He lives as the Spirit of God. Father God's Spirit and His level of life is what He's trying to father your spirit in in these vessels and in these world, in this world. You understand? That's how the earth changes into a new earth, is allowing the Father to father your spirit and then it metamorphosi metamorphosizes you into the same heavenly condition and state of being that He's in in the third heaven you're in on the earth. And that's how the new earth and the new heavens manifest. That's why creation longs for the revealing and the manifesting sons of God because it's a fathering of the Spirit that morphs everything around it. The cocoon and the metamorphosis and the embrace of change and the sanctification nature of the Father is what totally terraforms the earth, creates the atmosphere of a new earth. This is why the enemy tempts you more than anything else to reject sanctification. Because it's your sanctification that destroys the whole kingdom of hell in the whole world. And so if we can bring people to a maturity of loving sanctification, 
the enemy go down faster. Do you see, that's, that's the intentions of my heart teaching you all this stuff. This is how we strategically destroy all the works of the devil. This is how it works. As people get a revelation, we're like, I am all in. So we thank you, Father, for those signing up to be all in into change and in changing their hearts and in changing their minds and in changing their lives to conform more to the heavenly image of God and less to the earthly image of God, which is the knowledge of good. There's an earthly image bearing of God, which is the knowledge of good, which is counterfeit. We need to bear the heavenly image of God through metamorphosis that destroys the earthly counterfeit of the soulish, which is the religious enemies that we deal with every day in Christianity. That's all the pride that's being burnt up now in us and in all those around us. Love burns it up. Love raises a standard. Love condemns the devil. The anointing is love and hates wickedness and loves righteousness. It loves changing. Love loves changing. It does. It loves the cocoon. It loves the process. It loves the sword. It loves applying these things to, the, it, to its own soul. The evidence of someone growing in agape is these things are excitedly applied to the self-nature, the things of the priesthood, the things of the baptism of death and the altar of fire for the beast and the animal of the soul. That's a person getting it. A person rejecting that is clinging to their soul and loving on the devil still. A lot of Christians loving on the devil. We need Christians to love on sanctification the exact opposite. And then you'll see total transformation. Then you'll see heaven come into earth. Then you'll see judgment upon your enemies in the natural realm. Then you see wickedness and sorcery and governments just fall in a day. Then you see just all the scheming of the fallen angels just dissolve because they only work in the unsanctified soul realm of men and women. The prison of the fallen angels is the unsanctified soul. So guess what happens if we sanctify it? and start loving that blood fire bills of smoke satan is completely judged through your christian sanctification it's not just individual it's a corporate universal judgment otherwise the devils wouldn't even pay you attention you wouldn't be slandered gossiped about or attacked they wouldn't have to lie about you because you wouldn't be you're not damaging hell at all but the fact that you are cho you're choosing sanctification is why the enemy is responding this way to you so have an understanding because you're going to go through some stuff. Your fire is going to be applied to them as you change. And you just keep stay in the fire. Don't let anyone pull you out. I'm never getting out of sanctification. The Father's going to have to push me out of sanctification. And He pushes me out, the fire will be even bigger. We're walking with the Father. Anything He wants to do, I say yes to. I'm done kicking against the pricks in the selfishness of my soul. I'm done kicking against the goads acts 9 in the religious spirit i'm done resisting quenching grieving the holy ghost i'm letting the holy ghost have his way in my soul every day in jesus name thank you father for a people that love the holy spirit more than themselves that's what it boils down to that you love the spirit of jesus more than you love your life more than you love your soul that's what it's going to take for a greater sanctification for everyone. We love you, Holy Ghost. We love you more than ourself. We love you with everything. 
We give you everything, Holy Ghost. Have your way in us today, Holy Ghost. Hear the confessions of your people's hearts. We will give you a greater sacrifice of our souls and our lives for you to demonstrate whatever you want to say and do. We are your temples, Holy Ghost, and temples of none other. We know you're a jealous God and you are all about first love. Anything in our life, any man, woman, or child that has taken that place of first love of Jesus Christ in our souls, we ask that you'd extract it and remove that idol from our hearts tonight. Even a promise that we've made an idol, even success that we made an idol, even ministry we've made an idol, take it out of us. Angels, deliver us now and let Jesus have first love in our hearts to love him more than all the stuff, even the stuff of ministry, even the stuff of business, the stuff of success, even the stuff of promise. We must know the promiser more than the promises to live in the promised land. And Jesus, you are the promiser. And we love you more than anything else. We make room for more of you in our hearts. In Jesus' name, take your place enthroned in my soul and rule in this temple as our God, not just our Savior, but as our King, the King of our souls, the King of our minds, the King of our bones. Rule in the midst of your people. Judge our enemies through the soul realm that we've yielded to you. The throne room realm of Jesus Christ is our yielded souls to the Messiah and his spirit in our hearts today. That's how he'll rule in the midst of his enemies, through a people that love him more than their souls. And our souls become his throne room and he'll rule and reign right through the midst of your souls. And you'll be in union with him all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Granted, Holy Ghost, let the angels begin to do that work in all these hearts and minds to transform our souls into the throne room of Jesus Christ, our very hearts, dwelling between the cherubim, looking into the throne room, not just deep inside our spirit, but all the way up into our hearts and our minds, his name written on our foreheads, where the throne of God is manifesting fully, completely, thoroughly through all of our souls, his eternal throne room, our souls through sanctification in Jesus name. Amen. Got another week to raise support for the outreach in Africa. Links in the description. Bless you guys. Have a great weekend. And thank you, Father, for this wonderful time of sanctification. Lord, I pray you'd help them have fun in the process. To fall in love with Yahweh Mekadeshim is my prayer. That each and every one of you would marry the Lord your sanctifier. Amen. It's such a deep, intimate, precious place of personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. It's knowing him as your apostle. It's knowing the Lord and the Lamb as your high priest. It is one of the most precious realms of loving the Lord. May you all know it deeper, more thoroughly through your own experiences over the weekend. Amen. Bless you guys. I'll see you Tuesday. Glory.